Hey guys and ladies, I guess for that matter. Um, welcome back to the podcast. Um, we're going to have an interesting topic today, I think. Um, hey, Cilicia, if you're out there, be sure to give us a comment. I'm going to ask you to ask questions today as we go. Um, what happens when you've prayed, you've asked God for something, um, and he's just not showing up the way that you expect him to? Maybe he's answering the prayer, maybe he's not, or maybe he's answering it in just some way you weren't looking for. What do you do in those kind of situations? We're going to talk about that, look into the scripture and see where that happens. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, what do we do when we've been praying, we've been asking God for something, and it's just not turning out the way that we want? We're going to talk about it a little bit here in a minute, but before we jump in, I've got a couple of things. You notice I'm just it's here with me today. Tim's out working today, trying to earn a living. That's what we do, and uh, got to make tents every once in a while, like Paul, keep the bills paid. But um, we do have some stuff coming up that I want to just kind of throw out there for you. Um, we've got some um, leadership camps coming up at the Gates Community Church um, International there in Athens, Texas, coming up. Uh, oh. Over the next couple of months, maybe once a quarter or something like that, we're going to be moving in up there. So if you're in that that church or whatever, um, be sure to keep an eye on that. We're also working on some details right now to help a pastor friend of mine, Brother Antonio Torres. Um, he's working with some pastors down in Puebla, Mexico. It's a little bit south. I think it's southeast, maybe northeast of uh, Mexico City. And uh, he's working with several pastors down there. We're working on a mission trip to go down there and do some pastoral training like we did in, in, uh, for the pastors in Huamave and, uh, and maybe uh, get some uh, what we call ambassadors trained where we can actually equip people um, to go in country there on our behalf uh, as agents of the ministry. So y'all pray about that if you would. Um, also, the big thing that's coming, big deal, uh, and it's just in the early stages of planning, but I want you to, to start looking at the time. We'll have the dates very soon. It's going to be in the first part of June of next year, and it'll be our very first annual Kingdom Vision Conference. And we're going to be doing a, it's going to be a three-day event. I mean, it's going to be a big deal. Um, and I when I say a big deal, it'll be a big deal to us. Um, but uh, we want to do this right. We want to do it up as a as a conference for pastors, for laymen, um, uh, you know, men, women, whoever. It just it's going to be a kingdom vision. It's going to be an equipping conference. It'll be uh, workshop oriented. There'll be uh, things to do, things to learn. Uh, there will be sessions to ha to have. We're going to be doing that here locally somewhere. We don't even have a venue yet, um, but we're working on the plans for that. So look at your calendar. Early June of 2023. It's next year. Um, for us to be having our very first annual Kingdom Vision Conference. Um, as always, I want you to, if you would, pray about monthly support for the ministry. As noted by Tim's absence, you know, Tim and I, we, we work full-time. This ministry is just uh, something that we do on the side, we feel called to do, um, and it is completely supported by uh, God's favor and by your generous gifts. And so um, if you would pray about that, even, even $5 a month is helpful. Um, to help us continue to help people learn, teach, repeat. So 
let's jump into our text or our text or our topic today. Um, this is something that I've been looking looking at, living through, um, studying through for gee whiz years now. Um, but it's fresh, and and I've been talking with other people and. Our pastor, Pastor David Yarbrough, he he talks about this all the time um, in the sense of the expectation gaps. And what it means is there's an old saying that says, you know, expectations lead to resentments. And when we have an expectation, you know, that's here, but the reality comes in here, that space in the middle is the expectation gap. And, and that's where um, discouragement lives. That's where disappointment lives is in that gap of expectation. Um, and really what I want to talk about tonight is something we've been talking about in our prayer circles, something that's just been in, in, in our own lives and our own worlds is we have expectations of what God is going to look like when He shows up on the scene, when He's moving, when He's blessing, when He's doing. We've got these ideas about what that's going to be. And if he doesn't fit our expectations, then we tend to get discouraged. In the extreme cases, maybe we even leave the faith. Um, I had a particular situation over, you know, what, 20, probably 25 years ago in the ministry after I took my first church, um, and it was a struggle. We came back um, to the area, um, and I had two very disturbing um, interactions with some local pastors at the time. Um, I won't go into detail of them, but uh, suffice it to say that that one of them in particular um, set the stage for the second interaction. Um, and, and in that interaction with that pastor, um, just some really ugly, hurtful things were said. And um, after round two with second said pastor, um, I actually walked away. I mean, I, I say walked away from my faith is what I was about to say, but... Not that you can actually really, I guess you can do that, but I mean, I intentionally walked away from church, didn't go to church, didn't want to have anything to do with the Lord for just a little while. Um, it was a pretty dark season. Um, but I look back on that and I see that even those instances, those negative situations, um, did some things in my own heart and did some things in my own walk with the Lord that have allowed me to grow in some ways that I probably couldn't have done without them. And so... What I wanted to talk about today is, and if you if you got your Bible there, I'm going to be in First Peter chapter four a little bit. If I actually can can turn over there, uh, we're gonna we're gonna read some of that. But what I wanted to do is just give you some examples, um, give you some some biblical examples of an encouragement, because so many times it seems like in our lives and in our world that maybe just maybe either God's not listening or he's not answering. We're praying over and over again. Maybe we're even fasting and, and the prayers aren't being answered. And I'm not just talking about big things like healing and or someone's salvation. You know, I'm maybe I'm, you know, I'm talking about the way things are going in your church or um, in your family, maybe at work, you're wanting to get a job, you know, you're asking for for some help or relief, fill in the blank on whatever it is you're asking for. Maybe it's even protection. And we have these ideas that when God is moving and when God is answering, He's giving us everything we're asking for. Now, 
somebody's out there going, no, no, no. I know, I know that that's not how I feel. And, and I get that. But what I want to challenge us with today is, is that even sometimes trying to figure out what it is that God's doing um, in answer to our prayer or whatever can really be a trip up for us. I want to give you some examples of how this happens in Scripture where God just shows up to do God's thing. And it's not about Him showing up and manifesting. It's not about Him showing up and flexing His presence necessarily. But what I'm really more talking about is recognizing God operating in His plan and doing His thing. And for those in my really tight inner circle, you know that right now in my own walk, this is a this is something that I'm not just teaching on today or talking about. This is something I'm actually living through. And 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 so maybe let me give you some examples and then we'll we'll move on and we'll we'll talk about a few things. I actually have some notes for today's deal. Um but some examples. Let's just start with the virgin birth. Um I think of when the angel came to Mary and the Messiah came. Now, what's weird about this is you go to the Old Testament, the Jews of the day, they knew how this was supposed to look. Okay, They knew how Messiah was supposed to come, but they didn't yet believe, everyone didn't yet believe that this was the Messiah. And so you've got this God creator of all things from the Old Testament is manifest in the flesh, but he comes through this young gal into a tradition where an unwed mother at this point in time would be shamed and mocked and 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 put out and so there's there's that um you, you fast forward well let's go backwards a little bit you get you get moses um when moses sees the burning bush it's one of those things where it's it's an unexpected encounter. It's not exactly how you might picture seeing God and seeing who He is, how He would reveal Himself. Um, moreover, when, they, when Moses was chosen at all, um, you know, we, we know he had trouble speaking. He was already in exile. Uh, you, know, you know, at this point in time, he'd been cast out. He'd chosen his people. To, you, you go read the story. I don't mean to, to rehash the story. But it just, there were elements of the story. It's like, well, I'm not sure that I would write it that way. It's it's unexpected. It's all of the things where Jesus, or, or where the scriptures talk about even how he comes to, to use the, the base elements of this world to confound the wise. And, and everything seems to be out of wonk and out of order for him. And, and it, we're not always getting what we expect. Um, the fact when Jesus came, he didn't come as a king. Um, you can even see... On the road to Emmaus, you can see some some hints of this because what was happening was um, the Jewish people, the people, the followers of Jesus, the disciples, they thought that their Messiah was going to come and rescue them from the Roman Empire, and they believed that Jesus was the guy, but they had. For a lot of reasons I won't go into today, some of it was willful. I think some of it was God-ordained blindness on their eyes for seeing what was exactly happening. It wasn't time yet, but that's a greater conversation. But they believed he was the Messiah, but they believed he was the Messiah that would rescue them from Rome. And you see this, he's, he's asked this several times. And then on the road to Emmaus, when Jesus actually walks up to these couple of disciples there that are walking, they're sad because their hopes and their dreams have been dashed. Their Messiah, their rescuer from Rome, is gone. He died. And if he's dead, he obviously can't you know, rescue us from Rome. They thought he was going to come as an earthly king, but he didn't. And 
the Old Testament declared this. It's one of those kind of mysteries of surely, guys, we can look backwards and go, guys, y'all had the book, right? And, um, but it wasn't that. I think of Bartimaeus is another great example of how you, because in our culture, especially, especially since the rise of prosperity gospel and things, as we revisit the spirit gifts, um, and I, which I believe, I'm not a cessationist, I do believe I'm a continuist um, in, in healing and the Holy Spirit and things like that. Um, but I think of Bartimaeus, and I make parallels between Bartimaeus and our, and our daughter who, who has special needs all the time. Our culture would tell us, our thinking patterns say that, that, that they're broken, that something went wrong, we're in a broken and fallen world. All of that even may sort of on a physical level be true. But when Jesus gets to Bartimaeus and he heals him, and the disciples are saying, or at the time when he's going to heal him, the disciples ask the question, who has sinned, him or his parents? Because their, their thinking was so narrow that Bartimaeus's condition, I mean, a, a lifetime of suffering and toil and torment, surely that's not God's will. Surely something's gone awry and God's about to move into this dark space <clears throat> and hopefully fix something. But they wanted to know what brought this brokenness in the first place. And the answer is puzzling to people. It, it messes people up. And his answer is neither. Nobody sinned. It wasn't him. It wasn't his parents. He was the way he was because of that moment, if you read the text, so that he could be healed and that the Son could be glorified. And, and that's what I wanted to speak into today was the fact that sometimes it's hard for us to see that God's moving, but what we, we Tim and I talk about this a lot, but what's really happening is, is that God is revealing himself he just doesn't look like what we expected. And sometimes not only do we miss him, but we're just continuing not only to look for him in other places, but sometimes we, and I, I find this in my own life a lot, sometimes we'll find ourselves working actually against what he's doing because what he's doing doesn't seem to match up with what we expect that he would do. Uh, let me give you an example. Matthew chapter 13, when we see Peter rebuking Jesus, Jesus is talking about what's coming you know, and he's going to be dying and all this stuff. And Peter actually rebukes Jesus. What Peter was doing in his heart was a good thing. I mean, he was, no, I got your back. You're not going to go down. I'm going to take care of you. You know, I will. He, and what Peter did was he saw what was Jesus was talking about. He saw it as injustice. And remember, he was looking for the Messiah to put up an earthly kingdom. We know the other disciples did too with the sons of thunder asking which one's going to be on your right hand, et cetera, like that, those things. That's where their mind was. They had an expectation. And Jesus was coming in saying, yeah, but that's not the way it's going to be. And then we see Peter fighting against the way that the creator God of the universe, the Messiah, is saying, no, it's going to go this way. He's like, no, 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 not on my watch. So he actually found himself fighting against the will of God because to Peter, the will of God, the path of God, looked evil, looked, it was suffering, there was death, it was dark. He, that wasn't what he expected. And so what was Jesus' response? He says, get thee behind me, Satan, and, and begins to, to teach him and to train him. I think of Nineveh um, when, uh, what's his name? Jonah. <laughs> you know, go to Nineveh. I don't want to go. Goes the other direction. Goes into the whale. Goes back to Nineveh. You know the story. Well, they repent. Okay, and Jonah gets ticked off, 
and pouts because he basically says, I knew you were going to redeem those people. And he didn't want them to be redeemed really. In his, in, in, and that's a, there's a greater story there. I don't want to spend time fleshing it out. But what God was doing was different than what Jonah had expected. He expected to tell them the gospel or, or the, the message that God gave him and for them to reject it. But that's not what happened. Um, but then we go over to Hebrews chapter 11. Let, let's, just, let's just read a little bit in Hebrews 11. I don't have my glasses on today, so you'll have to just kind of bear with me. But um, are, they, are they over there, Sean? I don't think they even are over there. No, that won't help. In Hebrews 11, I was talking to some folks about this the other night. Is there a pair over there? Yeah, let me see those. I love having my son, Sean, here to help me because I, I can't read without them. In Hebrews chapter 11, we were talking about this Wednesday night at prayer. Um, the by faith this, by faith this person, by faith, by faith. When you get, We talk about this passage, but it's a good indicator of what's happening here. Because our culture says, if God is moving and God is blessing, then there's no suffering. There's no turmoil. There's no affliction. People are getting healed. Life is good. God's blowing up big ministries and doing what we would call big things. And sometimes He does. And I think we should continue to ask for those things. But sometimes He doesn't. And the question that I want to deal with today is, is what do you do when He says no? In this passage, it says, what more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell, and he lists all these people. Um, and then he starts talking about the things that they saw God do. He quenched the raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword. They gained strength and weakness. They became mighty in battle, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead, raised to life again. That's always a good one. But then in the middle of that verse... In the very next sentence, with no conjunction, no turn of thought, no nothing, he just simply says, other people were tortured, not accepting release, so that they might gain a better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings, bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, and they died by the sword, and they wandered in sheepskins and in goatskins, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, and the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. You see the contrast. Some people got all these wonderful, awesome things. Some people got all these horrible, terrible, uh, awful things. But then he says in verse 39, but all of these, both sides of that coin, were approved through their faith, but they did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that they would not be made perfect without us. He said their faith, they were approved by their faith. So whether it was good or bad, terrible suffering or wonderful things like your dead being raised from the dead or you know being coming back to life regardless he said they were approved by their faith and so sometimes it's hard to look around and i and i see people do this all the time when it looks bleak um and you're praying and maybe you're not praying maybe it's just bleak things are dark and you're like man the devil's really getting after us and maybe he is and it's also easy sometimes to think, you know, what are we doing wrong? Are we not praying properly? Um, in our flesh, we begin to, to feel things like, oh, man, the, the enemy's winning. He's, he's, he's actually, the darkness is overtaking. So what do we do? The only thing we can do, and, and we talked about this a little bit last week and the week before, or the time before, the episode before, 
the only thing that we can do, and this is the reason we talk all the time about put, you know, staring into the face of God, is because it's our duty before God to just seek Him. I want to go to Second Peter. Is it Second Peter? Or is it First Peter? It's got to be First Peter because it's chapter four. Um, in First Peter. I thought I wrote some more of that down, but let me get to the verse where it's at. In verse 19, I think, is what I'm looking for. Yes, 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 yes. Here's the question that I want to answer today. What do we do? We're in the thick of it. We're in the middle of it. Maybe we're in persecution. Maybe we're in the middle of physical sickness, um, spiritual turmoil of some sort. Uh, maybe we are in the middle of a demonic, you know, satanic attack. And it's not, it's not relenting. It's not getting any better. Our loved one's still going to die. What do, we, what do we do in those situations? Um, there is a popular culture that would say, you just need to have more faith and everything will work out okay. But that's not what I see in Scripture. That's not what I want to encourage us to do. Because here's the reality. Sometimes we don't know. We can't even tell. Is the Lord moving? Is He just waiting? Are we in a season of, of you know, patience building? Um, you know, the Gospels tell us that the path is narrow and it's difficult. Are we in that? What's going on? And sometimes you just simply don't know. You can't tell. You know, the Bible says that He is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And, and the indication is there, He's a lamp for, he, He's given us enough light for one step. He may not be showing you down the trail. So what do you do? 1 Peter chapter 4 is what you do. In that text, we we'll back up a little bit, and it's talking, about, it's talking about suffering. He says, Dear friends, in verse 12, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you, as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may also rejoice with great joy when His glory is revealed. So don't despair. And this was talking specifically about suffering. And I want to use this to tie into what do we do when we aren't sure? Are we just suffering because we're supposed to? Now, Pastor David always says, if you choose to sin, you choose to suffer. That's correct. So even if your suffering is self-inflicted by way of engaged in sin and you've opened yourself up, sometimes that's true. But sometimes, guys... We're just being asked to go into the valley of the shadow of death and take His light with us in there. That's just what we've been asked to do. What do you do? It's not getting any better. Well, first thing He says to do is rejoice. What? What in the world? How do we do that? Well, we're going to get to that. He says in verse 14, If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed because, of the, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Now, I will make the qualification. He's talking about if you're ridiculed for the name of Christ. Not if you're ridiculed because you're a goober, but because of the name of Christ. If you're following Him and you've got your face in His face and you're just seeking the Lord and people make fun of you for it and you're ridiculed for it, He says that that's good. You're blessed because of that. He says, let none of you suffer those a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler. He's saying, look, I'm not talking about you suffering because of your own hand, really, even here. He's saying, don't sin. and don't. He's not, that's not really what I'm talking about. You stay away from that stuff. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, that's the context. 
Let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in having that name. For the time has come for judgment to begin with God's household. A lot of people sometimes think that just because we're Christians that we're not responsible for some strange reason, that, that, that we won't be judged. We may not be judged in a salvific sense of whether we're in or we're out, but he says we are going to be judged by what we do. And he says, and if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who disobey the gospel of God? And here's where it starts getting rich. And if a righteous person is saved with difficulty, what will become of the godly and the sinner, of the ungodly and the sinner? If there are hard times coming for those that are saved through this, what's going to happen to those that have turned their back on God and turned the blind eye? So what do we do? Verse 19 is where I wanted to get to. So then, let those who suffer according to God's will. Now, I got to stop. He just said something that's big and I think a lot of us miss. He's speaking to those who are suffering according to God's will. Let me say that a little different. For those of us or you who are suffering because it's God's will in this moment that you suffer. That's who he's talking to. That's, I've prayed God and nothing's giving. I'm in, my face is in the wood chipper and I can't get it out. People are talking about me. They're slandering me. They're ridiculing me. And I'm just being faithful. Nothing's giving. My family hates me. My kids don't like me. They don't want to, you know, whatever. Fill in the blank. But Lord, I'm being faithful. And it's, I'm, I'm seeking your face and it's still happening. I'm not receiving that freedom that I'm really searching for because my expectation is that if I'm doing the right things, if I'm doing all that I'm supposed to do, that everything's going to be okay. But that wasn't even true for Jesus in, in human terms. Jesus was 100% in the will of God, doing everything the Father asked him to do. In fact, he says he didn't even speak unless the Father through the Spirit told him to speak it. He only said what he heard the Father say. So he's right in line with what God has for him. And it cost him his life on this earth because it was part of God's plan. Not did it just cost him his life. He didn't just die. He was tortured and beaten and spit on and ridiculed. It was awful. It was a horrible situation. And yet, he was in the 100% perfect will of God. So what do we do when we find ourselves in a situation such as this? He says, entrust yourself, and for those that are in this, entrust themselves to a faithful creator while doing what is good. Such a rich and deep admonition at the end of this little discourse about suffering. So if you're out there today and your situation's just not getting better, you've prayed, you've fasted, as best as you know, you've, com you've confessed and corrected and repented of your sin that you know of, how do you get through every day? How do you battle bitterness? How do you battle doubt? Well, a couple things. Number one, I'll go to this text. And I love the way he words it. Entrust yourself to a faithful creator. The first thing you've got to remind yourself about is, is that your creator, the God of heaven, is faithful and good. And maybe you just have to tell yourself that over and over again all day, every day. 
But you do that, and then it says entrust, commit yourself to him. For me, it looks like in my prayer time saying, you know what, Lord, I don't know what's happening here. I don't understand what's happening. I don't get what's happening. I want it to stop happening. But it's happening. I go to this text. And I can say with all faithfulness and all trust that, God, you are good. And I don't understand. But I trust you. And I commit. I entrust myself and my situation to what you're doing. Because you are my faithful creator. I I wonder if a lot of our disillusionment sometimes is because whatever's going on in our world, our church, our family, our whatever, our jobs, our walk, that we have had an expectation of what we thought it was going to look like. And that's not what it looks like. And so in our spirit, I think the enemy whispers in our ears sometimes and says, see, He's not really working. He's not really doing because it doesn't look like this. And I guess my admonition to us all today is we need to abolish our expectations of what we think God looks like and what we... Now, let me back up on that a second. What we think God's plan is going to look like all the time and how He's going to interact with man. Now, we go to the Scriptures... And there are things about God that we know that are always true, that He is good and holy and faithful and righteous. And what He does is right. The Scriptures say that He is God and He does what He pleases. And so just because we can't figure out how the stuff that we don't understand and doesn't fit our expectations fits into His will, His plan, even for our life or everyone's lives. Just because we can't figure it out doesn't mean that He's not trustworthy. And so instead of leaning back and saying, man, the devil's just really, he's really doing good right now. He's really taking dominion. Maybe he is. But our job, and, and I think we do spiritual warfare, I'm not saying that. We do. We battle. We stand on righteousness. We stand on holiness. We proclaim the authority that God put into us through the Holy Spirit that, that lives in us, and we do all of those things. But we open ourselves and our minds up to the possibility that God's going to move and do things in ways that we can't possibly understand. And sometimes it looks like suffering. Sometimes it looks like unresolved issues. Sometimes it looks like people that don't get healed. Sometimes it also looks like people that do get healed. And sometimes it looks like deliverance. And sometimes it looks like chains getting broken. And so when we aren't sure, my admonition is to fall back on 1 Peter 4.19. Commit yourself to your faithful Creator. Look into His Word. Find out more about Him. Because here's the deal. If you're seeking who He is, the path that you'll be ready to, that you need to walk down, whether it's easy or hard or suffering or it's the first part of that, Hebrews 11, where there's wonderful things happen. I don't know. But there's no formula to make sure you get into that top half and not into that bottom half. It's not even about which half you're in. What He's saying here is, is, He's faithful, 
and he's good, we can trust him. And so instead of always necessarily trying to change our circumstances, the first thing we need to be doing is seeking him to learn who he is and to get close to him and let him deal with our circumstances. And then we balance that, I think, also with, he tells us, bring your petitions before me. And I think we cry out to God like David did in the Psalms and ask for those things which we desire. But first and foremost, we trust him. He's our faithful creator. So sometimes we pray and it feels like nothing's happening. Well, the reality may be that it's not gonna. It's not that you don't have enough faith. It's just not in the plan. And then sometimes it does. And sometimes we can never know the difference. And so what we can always do is commit ourselves to a faithful creator, seek to know him deeper and deeper every day through prayer, through his word, and through fellowship with his people, through worship. That's what we do. And then we just sit back and watch what he does. We may not ever figure it all out, this side of heaven and this side of becoming like him. But we can trust Him, look in His face, learn of Him, and just learn to love Him and let Him guide and direct us. So I don't know if that was helpful for you today, but it, it was helpful for me in my studies to remember that I have a faithful Creator. And just because I don't understand what's happening around me doesn't mean that He's not working. Just because it doesn't fit my preconceived ideas, sometimes... He brings things to us and brings us through things that in our earthly mind, just there's no way those, that can be the way He wants us to go. Surely God wouldn't want me to be blind my, ento my entire life for one moment in history to be healed. Surely Jesus wouldn't only heal one paralytic at the pool of Bethesda, but He did in both counts. Surely, and see what happens is we get in this concept of what really, if we were able to articulate, we would say, well, I wouldn't do it that way. And you're right, you wouldn't, neither would I. But our ways are not His ways. And so we have to just be comfortable to sit back. We ask for our petitions. We do spiritual battle when, in, when we can and when, when it's necessary. But it, first and foremost, and then at the end of the day, we just got to trust Him. Thank you guys for watching today. Don't forget to go out to our website. Um, if you would prayerfully consider supporting us, um, we do need monthly support um, to, to continue these missions that are coming up. Um, we've got the leadership camps coming up in, uh, at the gates in Athens. We've got a mission trip to Puebla. And we've got next June, um, that's the tentative date, sometime in the first part of June, our very first annual Kingdom Vision Conference. I hope you get to be a part of that. There'll be registration information coming out for that as soon as we get dates because we want to do this well and right and find out how many people we're going to have and, and get a venue accordingly. So y'all be watching for that. We love you. We appreciate you. And we pray for you. I hope you're praying for us. We'll see you next time.